You have heard it here first. My man Trey told you weeks ago, it's not an opinion, it's not a thought, it's a fact. Zach Wilson is holding the New York Jets back, and finally the New York Jets agree. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the Thanos effect that the Kansas City Chiefs have on the rest of the NFL because they are, in fact, inevitable. And we got a whole bunch of other stuff to get to in what is one of my favorite weeks of the football calendar, Thanksgiving week. And there's no one I'm more thankful to share the stage with tonight than my good friend, Pro Football Network senior NFL analyst, Mr. Trey Wingo. Brett, how are you? Brettiverse, good to be with you. Uh, hope you and yours are well. Hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving tomorrow. It's going to be a great day of food and football. Uh, can't wait to chop it up. And uh, look, this is this is the time of year we live for, right? Like, it's it. great when it's great when football starts. Like, it's it's awesome. And you know we're excited about the season getting going. And then you sort of trudge through the middle of the regular season, and then you're like, let's go. Let's go sprint to the finish, postseason seedings, and that's where we are right now. To me, Thanksgiving signifies it's time to flip the freaking switch. Oh yeah, and that's the beauty of it. The the great Bill Belichick, <clears throat> excuse me, once said, "All uh, right, there, buddy." Thanksgiving, when you start yeah. to, I get choked up when I talk about Bill. He uh, he gets me. Really it's all good. good. I'm fine. You're good. It's yeah. all good. So so. Uh, you start to see where where teams really start to separate. That's why we uh, we talk about that in our you know uh, believe doubt or need more, which we'll get to in a second. But Trey, you mentioned you know uh, I I have to shamelessly plug my success here, Trey. Um, yeah, you being the chief it. trans officer for Caesars. Um, look look at look at my behavior bets model. Look at, look at that green. Look at that green. Damn, it's a sixty eight sixty eight percent return right there. Can I borrow some money? Uh, you know what, man. You know what? You you joke, but what's great here is I could pull this up. You know, this is uh, my stats from Pickett uh, and Trey. uh, You know that I'm a big fan of Pickett. I do a lot of betting. Obviously, I have a whole betting model, and uh, being able to track it, look it up on Pickett, be able to share the stats with you guys on the show, share the stats across social media is a huge, huge benefit. It's why I'm glad they're a part of our show here and and a partner with Pro Football Network. Uh, And the great thing is they're completely free. Completely free. Download the app today. Start placing your bets through Caesar Sportsbook. Track it all across different categories in the Picket app. And when you download it for free, make sure you use promo code PFN365. That's going to give you a chance to win $100. All you got to do is download, use that promo code PFN365. And not only can you track your own bets, you can tell mine, you can track mine, you can compare yourself uh, to me. Although you saw my stats, that might not be good for your self esteem. But hey, go check that out. Yeah, why you want to do that to somebody? Why you want to make them feel like that bad about themselves? Yeah, especially in the holiday season. You're right. You're right. That's uh, selfish of me. But uh, you know, it is Grinch season as well, Trey. So, on Uh, that note, let's uh, let's kick kick off our first segment here. Um, This is uh, believe, okay, doubt or need more in our time to learn segment. And the first team tray that I need to know about is the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo, four touchdowns this past week. That team is humming along, but is it enough for you, Mr. Wingo, to believe, or do you still doubt, or do we still need more as we get through Thanksgiving? Well, this could be a two-parter, because absolutely, I believe, but you would also like to see more. And I know that's kind of a BS sort of out, but let me explain. They played their best game of the year. 
against Colt McCoy and the Arizona Cardinals, who had all kinds of other issues going into that game. But when when San Francisco is healthy and when they're as physical as they were in that game, they're going to be a very tough out for anybody in the NFC. When you have Christian McCaffrey doing what he does, then you add in Debo underneath and then Kittle over the top. And it's it's weird to think of, okay, a tight end over the top. And certainly his last touchdown, there were some business decisions <laughs> made by some of the Arizona Cardinal defenders. That's the that's that Monday night game in Stadio Azteca in Mexico City is what everyone thinks the 49ers can be when they're clicking on all cylinders. So I believe in them. Okay. However, it comes with a caveat. And the caveat is the quarterback. Just don't ask Jimmy Garoppolo to win a game for you. Um, and, and that's not a terrible thing. But, you know, we, we've seen these situations arise, right? Uh, Super Bowl 54, they had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. And Patrick Mahomes said, hold my beer. I'm going to take care of this and we'll get it done. And then Jimmy had an opportunity and he missed Emmanuel Sanders by seven yards on a throw that would have given them the lead and would have forced Mahomes and the Chiefs to respond. He had a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship game last year. Uh, now, it's not his fault that Jaquiski Tart dropped an arm punt from Matthew Stafford that would have been a game-clinching interception. But after he didn't do that and the, the Rams responded – there was no response from Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. So the best way I can say it is when they are playing at their best and their best does not include Jimmy Garoppolo being the reason why they win, absolutely the Niners are as good as anybody in the NFC, and I believe in them. But the need to see more comes from, okay, if all the other stuff isn't working, like when Trent Williams pulls left and clips two people oh. on student body left on a long run by Christian McCaffrey, um, yeah. can you count on Jimmy G? That's the doubt. That's the I need to see more. Everything else for San Francisco is great, physical, tough, strong across the board. But when you say to yourself, we have to have Jimmy Garoppolo make the key plays for us to win, that's where I say – I may need to see more. Yeah. Trey, they, they remind me of that, you know, that, that cliche we say in sports, like this is the team nobody wants to see in the postseason. And I think people often think that when you say that, you think that this team is the best. I don't see Ooh. it that way. I don't know that no. they're the best team, but I don't think they're the team. The best team wants to have to play to Correct. get to the big game. Right. Correct. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're just, uh, and just for everything that you said, they have all of the pieces minus the game winning quarterback. So correct. Uh, we'll see how that, how that plays out. Um, but the next team I want to talk about was a team that we talked about a, a little bit here as uh, you sort of rising above expectations, doing more than was anticipated. And then uh, they kind of came back down to earth against another underachieving team in the Detroit lions this past week. And that's the New York giants, Trey. Um, have they done enough prior to that game for you to still have belief in them? Or did that game cause doubt? And is there enough time for us to see more about who they could truly be? You could make the argument that when it's all said and done, that the Giants might end up last in their own division. Wow. And I want to be clear about why I'm saying that. The Giants have done an amazing job with Brian Dayball. And 
the first year head coach has pushed all the right buttons. But at the end of the day, there are only so many opportunities and so many options for him. Wondell Robinson out for the year, torn ACL. Uh, they are traveling to Dallas for the Thanksgiving game without four offensive linemen. That's a bad recipe for a team that has the front four and the front seven that the Cowboys have. They do not have a variety of ways to win. Okay. They're going to win if Daniel Jones doesn't turn it over and Saquon Barkley goes nuts. But if those things don't happen, how are the Giants going to win games? And we saw Daniel uh, Jones sort of go back to pre-Brian Dayball Daniel Jones with a couple of interceptions. Aiden Hutchinson, by the way, people do not need to – people need to understand how good he is. Yeah. Um, that was That was – Two games where he's had a, just an instinctual interception where he read the play, circled out of his rush, back into coverage, and made a play. Like, that's not a game plan. No, no one goes into that situation with Aiden Hutchinson and says, hey, fake a rush, read it, then drop back into coverage because you recognize the play and make a play on the ball. It happened in the Green Bay game when they threw it to Bakhtiari, yep. and it happened again on Sunday when he realized what the play was and dropped back into coverage where he is not accounted for uh, in any of the offensive game plans. Can so you, that's can, twice. Can, yeah, can you talk more about that, Trey? Because I don't think people understand, the fans don't understand. They see an interception like that, and they go, yeah. what the hell is that quarterback looking at? But yeah. you just said the thing is he's not accounted for. Can you explain kind of what that means and why that's – so hard for a quarterback to, to see in the moment? Sure. Let, let's just go back to the Aaron Rodgers interception, right? Uh, and I think we talked about it on this show. If you're throwing a pass to an offensive lineman, make it as easy as possible for him to catch. It's got to be softer than baby poop or soft serve ice cream, okay? <laughs> you just got to lay it out there and let these mangled, gnarled hands with miles of tape on there just sort of uh, grab it. So that's what Aaron Rodgers did. He sort of took something off it and lofted it into the end zone. Well, he's not accounting for Aiden Hutchinson as the right defensive end rushing upfield, recognizing the play and like, oh, screw this. I'm not going to sack the quarterback. I'm going to drop into coverage because I see what the play is and right. drop into a, a, a sort of a dead zone where no one accounts for me and I make the interception. And he did that again on Sunday uh, at MetLife. He was rushing upfield, recognized the play and decided – what I'm supposed to do and everything that my instincts tell me to do is to get to the quarterback. You know, the old Al Davis thing, the opposing quarterback must go down and must go down hard. You know what I mean? Or <laughs> yeah. Bill Cower to uh, 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 Greg Lloyd, rush the quarterback, rush the quarterback. It takes an amazing intellect and instinct to say all of those things that I'm supposed to be doing, I'm not going to do because I read the play. Right. And instead, I'm going to drop back into coverage where no one is expecting me to be because they're thinking I'm rushing the quarterback and then drop into this softer dead zone in the middle of the defense and be an obstacle for a completion. And he's done that twice now. So those things are those are not those are not coachable plays like right. no one. No one on the like I, I love Aaron Glenn as a defensive coordinator for the uh, for the Detroit Lions. Loved him as a cornerback for the Jets and other teams. Love him as a coach. He doesn't say to Aiden Hutchinson, "Hey, listen, if if you're not if you're rushing the quarterback and suddenly you see it, stop doing the thing you're supposed to do and drop back into coverage." That's right. just a basic instinct play, and he's done that twice now over the last 
three or four weeks. And it's been remarkable. So that's the thing that you're, you're asking me to explain. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, and to your point, there are designed like fake a rush and drop into coverage, but it's like one step. That's not, but that's not it in either one of those situations. That's right. His, his call from the defensive sideline and from the game plan is go get the quarterback. And that's just an amazingly intellectual instinctual play yeah. by Aiden Hutchinson, not once, but twice to realize, Oh no, no, no. I, I get where they're going and I'm going to go where they're going to intercept the play. And he's literally done that. Yeah. And, and, you know, just so people understand when you see something like that happen, th- those are the types of plays that separate the truly special players from the journeymen or yeah. the, the fillers on the roster. Those guys do what they're told. They do it well, but they, they need to be told what to do. Guys like Aiden Hutchinson to exactly what you're saying, Trey, those are the, that instinct that you, that you can't teach. That's what elevates those guys to the truly elite and, and, and levels of specialty. I think that we see here in the NFL. Correct. So good. Getting back to the original point of this, which was uh, how do you feel about uh, the giants? Yeah. They're in a world of hurt going into uh, the Thursday game against the Cowboys. And I get it. The Cowboys have lost three straight Thanksgiving Day games. They failed to cover in their last 11 uh, Thanksgiving Day games. But this Cowboys team has a major advantage over the Giants, which is they're more physical, they have a better quarterback, and they have more weapons. The, the Giants have Saquon Barkley and others. The Cowboys have Dak Prescott, Tony Pollard, not Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz, they have a myriad of ways to beat you. The Giants have one way to beat you, which is pound the ball with Saquon and make Daniel Jones throw five passes that matter. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, and then hope. Yeah. The Cowboys have, we can, we can beat you with Dak. Oh. We can beat you with our defense. We can beat you with, with Pollard and Zeke together. And we can beat you with, with CD and Michael Gallup over the top. Yep. Yeah. It's, and the Cowboys, you know, Trey are averaging 39 points a game over their last three games from the time Dak has come back in their last, in their last, excuse me, four games compared to the time he was out, you know, with Cooper Rush basically starting week two on, they've seen an 80% increase in points scored um, with Dak back at the helm. They're on, they're our machine right now. And like you mentioned, the Giants are coming in with it with an infirmary, basically, of, of players. Yeah. I think their whole offensive line is out based on the injury. Four, yeah, they're, they're not. They didn't travel four offensive linemen. Okay, yeah. four offensive linemen didn't even make the trip uh, to AT and T Stadium. And, and let's take it one step further. Uh, when you look at uh, when you when you look at what the uh, the Cowboys are doing in terms of the options that they have to them, let's talk about Tony Pollard. Like. Jerry Jones, God bless him, uh, master of time, space, and dimension, and grand poobah of everything Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> likes to always say, well, they, everything goes through Zeke. It doesn't go through Zeke anymore. It yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Tony Pollard is the X factor. Des Bryant, throw it up the X. When he gets at least 15 touches in his career, the Cowboys are 9-1, and one, and they score about 37 points a game. <laughs> and we saw that... Uh, on display in the game against Minnesota. Tony Pollard had two long touchdowns. Like Zeke had great runs, don't get me wrong. He had a couple of great touchdowns 
in goal to go situations, tough yards, give it to Zeke, uh, you know, blitz pick up, make Zeke the guy. Tony Pollard is the difference maker in this Cowboys offense. Uh, 19 catches, or excuse me, 19 attempts for each one of them. I think Zeke averaged like three point something, and Tony Pollard averaged eight point something. Tony Pollard is the thing that separates the Cowboys offense from being okay to good to exceptional. Uh, and, and that's the thing going forward. Uh, I'm not saying don't play Zeke because you have to have Zeke sort of help manage Tony Pollard. Cause if you yep. give, if you try and give Tony Pollard 30 to 35 touches a game, it's not going to go well. Okay. So what you need to do is have Zeke do the tough things inside and yep. make Tony Pollard be your game breaker. That's how they just absolutely dominated the Minnesota Vikings. And they've won 10 of the last 11 games against the Giants. This is the 122nd meeting between these two teams. Only the second time ever on Thanksgiving. Uh, the first time was 1992, uh, where they beat the Kent Graham-led Giants 30-3 and route to the first of their two back-to-back -back Super Bowls, 27-28. and 28. They would be, eventually be the first team to win three in four years, 27, 28, and 30. But, but that, that's how long it's been since the Giants uh, and the Cowboys clashed on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, I have a my article for Pro Football Network comes out tomorrow, previewing and predicting Brettiverse article. This game it is a, it is a Brett Brettiverse written article. Yes, with the behavior bets model that we uh, put up before, um, and I, I started off that piece, uh, Trey, writing that a Cowboys Giants matchup on Thanksgiving feels like a gift from the football gods until you see the Giants injury report and you see. Correct the way the, the the Cowboys are playing right now. So, and by the way, also the Giants are going to be without their two starting cornerbacks in this game. So, um, that Look, stranger right. things have happened, right? Yeah. Weirder things have happened. For, but if you just go by the data and you just go by who's playing and who's not playing, the Cowboys should treat the Giants like a puppy treats a chew toy on Thanksgiving <laughs> Day. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's get to our third and final team here for this first segment as we start to kind of get a sense of, of who it is we're believing in and, and where we need to see more. And Trey, I want to lead this off with something you said uh, while we were talking before the, the show went live tonight, which is um, going to lead us into our, our second segment. But you said that there's one team that can prevent the inevitability of, of maybe the Kansas City Chiefs. And you said it could be the Cincinnati Bengals. And that's the team that I want to showcase uh, in this final uh, team here is do you believe in them as a true contender going forward with their six and four record, or is there still more you need to see before you're ready to elevate them to that status? Well, a couple of things. They're playing the Tennessee Titans on Sunday, which is interesting because we've never had in the current playoff format, which changed in 2020, uh, seven teams making the postseason from each conference instead of six. Um, we've never had a team start 0 and 2 and make the postseason. Well, the two teams playing on Sunday, the Bengals started 0-2. The Titans started 0-2. And the Titans, Titans, by the way, can go ahead and raise the banner for the AFC South. It's won. It's done. It's over. <laughs> um, but the Bengals, to me, with, with all due respect to Buffalo, and I want to be clear about this, with all due respect to Buffalo, the Bengals are the team that can give the Chiefs more of a problem than anybody else in the AFC. Uh, even Miami and Tua and Waddle and Tyreek and Gasecki and Wilson and Mostart, I understand that. 
The Bengals know how to do this. I mean, the Bengals played the Chiefs twice last year, and they beat them both times. And in both of those games, the Chiefs had 14-point leads and 11-point leads at the half. And the second half of each of those games, whether it was the regular season game in January or the AFC Championship game at Arrowhead, they held Kansas City to three points in the second half. Yeah, uh, One was good enough uh, for a game to go to overtime, and one was good enough to win in regulation. If, if, the, if the Bengals run the ball effectively the way they can, and that offensive line, which was a lot of moving parts early in the season, and Joe Burrow was sacked a bunch of times, and he still sacked a bunch of times. But if they can run the ball effectively uh, the way they have been most of this season, the Bengals create problems for the Kansas City Chiefs. Look, I still will take the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes because he's that guy over everybody else. But the Bengals, to me, are the one team that I think can upset the apple cart. Like, there's there's a Twitter follower who I have who tweeted something out, and and he said it very interesting, which was, you know, everyone's treating this Bengals, uh, excuse me, this Bills Chiefs game as uh, the game of the century, but neither of these teams will be playing. Uh, representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. I have saved that tweet. And I'm if if that plays out, I'm going to give this guy all the credit in the world because yeah. I think he's a huge Bengals guy. Okay. And, you know, like there's a chance Jamar Chase may play this Sunday when they take on the Titans, which means he's absolutely playing when they take on the Chiefs next week. Um, the Bengals are the one team that I think everybody is like, all right, they scare me. Or in scares is a term that fans use. Uh, uh, you know, I, I would think like Andy Reid and company and Sean McDermott and company and Mike McDaniel and company would be like, we need to be concerned about those guys. Yeah. We need to make sure we're, we're on our A game, right? Uh, Correct. Not, not taking a day off. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. That comment you had, you had made about the Chiefs, you know, the, the Bengals really giving the Chiefs their, their biggest – uh, struggle uh, really kind of opened my eyes because, you know, we saw that classic, we saw the divisional matchup and the Chiefs the uh, lost to the Bengals in two of the more, more crucial games uh, at the end of the season and in the postseason. Um, and it looks like the Chief, the Bengals, excuse me, are getting right at the right yep. time, right? Um, all right. Uh, by the way, uh, want to give a shout out, Trey, to to your friends and and certainly uh, my friends over at Caesar Sportsbook, where you are the chief trends officer. Um, when I started writing the Giants Cowboys article, the line was plus nine, and I was like, ah, man, I think I want to take the Giants here plus nine. And then the injury report came out, and I want to take the. I'll take the Cowboys minus 50, I think, at this point. Either way, <laughs> go go place that bet over at Caesar Sportsbook. We got a great promo code for you. It is PFNCZR. If you're a first-time better, all right, go use that promo code, PFNCZR, on your first bet. And if you lose, you're going to get 100% of it back as a free bet. And you can hey, wait real, real quickly, bet. Yeah. Uh, Travis Kelsey just scored again against the Chargers. Oh, there it is. Okay, good. I don't know if you need an update on that. Go ahead. Yeah. Continue. Hall yeah. of Fame career on the way. Um, but like I said, you're going to get your first bet back if you lose up to 100% uh, on a $1,250 bet. And win or lose, you're also going to get 1,000 reward credits and 1,000 tier credits all exclusively from Caesar Sportsbook. And all you have to do is be a first-time better, do it at Caesar Sports, and use PFNCZR. 
Okay, our, our second segment, Trey, we got two things we're going to talk about. Typically, we're going to talk about one, but there are two problems in the NFL going into week 12 here. Uh, the first one is the Thanos effect. Usually, we talk about the problem with something. But in this case, when we talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, Trey, we're talking about the problem for something. In this case, it's the problem for the NFL. The Kansas City Chiefs seem inevitable. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to go to the Super Bowl and or win it, but they continuously seem to be the best, most consistent, exciting team in football, and they don't have Tyreek Hill, and I don't even know who their receivers were last week. I love your yeah. thoughts on Kansas City. Well, let's just let's just do this, right? Like, Miko Harbin didn't play in the Sunday night game against the Chargers. He's on injury reserve. He's missing at least three more games. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, didn't play because of a concussion. It looks like he's back uh, this Sunday against the Rams. By the way, side note, just so people understand – Right now, the Rams are a 14-and-a-half-point underdog going into Arrowhead on Sunday. If that line holds, and it's going to hold, it would be the first time ever that a defending Super Bowl champ would be a 14-point or more underdog uh, the following year after they, they won the Super Bowl. And, you know, it should because the Chiefs have scored 40 points three times this year, all against NFC opponents, against the Cardinals week one, against the Bucks week three or four, and against the mighty San Francisco 49ers that we were just talking about in Levi Stadium. They went on the road and they're like, we're still putting up 40. Uh, the Chiefs are inevitable in a lot of different ways. Sunday, they won their 14th straight road division game, which is a fancy way of saying Patrick Mahomes has never lost a road division game. He's 14-0 with the Chiefs as the starting quarterback. The only other longer streak in NFL history is Joe Montana, who won 20 straight road division games as a member of the San Francisco 49ers in the old NFC West. So that's what we're looking at. Uh, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes have won 25 state straight games in the months of November and December. Um, the Chiefs in the last three seasons are 19-1 and after the bye. In other words, every game in the regular season – after their bye week, the last three seasons, the Chiefs are 19 and 1. That one loss, by the way, in Cincinnati last year in January. Mm. And they go to Cincinnati again after a home game, which they're going to win in relatively easy fashion Sunday at Arrowhead. Uh, they've also won 14 straight games against the NFC. And as I mentioned, they scored 40 points against uh, the three NFC opponents. The last team to score 40 against interconference teams uh, four times in a season was Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos in 2013. That was the year he set the record with 5,477 passing yards and 55 touchdown passes. And oh, by the way, as we speak at this moment, Patrick Mahomes is on pace to break Peyton Manning's passing yard total of 5,477 yards. I don't think he's getting the 55 touchdowns because I don't think he's going to need them. To, for the Chiefs to, to clinch the number one overall seed. He has six more touchdown passes than anybody. He has over 300 passing yards more than anybody. And in terms of passing first downs, uh, Patrick Mahomes has 170 first downs on his arm. Next closest on the list is Josh Allen with 140. So he has 30 more passing first downs than any other quarterback in the NFL. And that's why the Chiefs are inevitable. And that's why... If you're just even a casual observer of football, 
Patrick Mahomes is far and away uh, the leading candidate for MVP for a second time in his career. Yeah, and just a quick update over at Caesar Sportsbook, that line has moved. Yeah, right. Give give the odds here, just so people understand. Like, and, and you can have all the problems you want with how the MVP is awarded. I get it. And Micah Parsons was talking to Dan Orlovsky on Twitter about why is it this way, and he's right. But at the end of the day, the, the metric might be wrong, but it's not changing. Like the the MVP is always going to go unless somebody has the most hellaciously incredible season of all time to the best quarterback on the team with the best record. Yeah. But also let's not forget that like, and I'll, I'm going to give the odds in a second here, but to, to exactly to your point, this isn't just that though. Right. Yeah. Because his receivers last week were Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, I can't even remember <laughs> Justin. Okay, Watson. Here they are. You ready? Here they are. Yeah. Marquez Valdez Scantling. Justin Watson, Sky Moore, oh yeah, okay, Josh Babers, and Fran Healy, and two of those names I made up. <laughs> there you go. Two of so, those names I made up. So this this okay? isn't a case of of a quarterback on a really good team getting inflated stats here, right? Like right. Patrick Mahomes, as if the, you needed this more. Is, this is the thing I always say, okay. Even with Nicole Hardman and Juju Smith-Schuster and the idea that Kadarius Toney could be really good, I mean, like, really good, would Joe Burrow trade Higgins, Boyd, and Jamar Chase for the Chiefs receivers? Right. The answer is no. Correct. Would Tyreek Hill trade Jalen Waddle? Excuse me, would Tua Tonga-Vailoa trade Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle for the Chiefs receiver, receivers? The answer is no. Would Josh Allen trade Gabe Davis and Diggs for the Chiefs receivers? The answer again is no. Like if you're looking for the most valuable player, right? It's the guy who elevates everybody else around him. Sky Moore had five catches for 63 yards in the Sunday night win over the Chargers. Entering the game, he had seven catches for the season. Okay. Justin Watson is just, I mean, he's not even Christian Watson who's <laughs> had five touchdowns in the last couple of games for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes makes guys that probably played on their intramural flag football team in their fraternity, like <laughs> legitimate pro football receivers. And yeah. that's why he's far and away the, the, the head of the MVP race. You were going to mention the odds. I interrupted. Yes. You mentioned the odds again. Yeah, they so they they moved since you said you said uh, fourteen and a half. Right now, the Chiefs are fifteen and a half point favorites. And the, if you took the Chiefs on the money line, you're getting minus fourteen hundred odds. For those of you who are you know kind of just getting into betting, maybe you live in Maryland. Your state just went live. I hope you're betting at Caesar Sportsbook and you're using Picket to track your bets. Um, if you bet a hundred dollars. On the Chiefs on the money line, you would win an additional $7.14. That's how heavy a favorite of the Chiefs are. It's not even worth betting them to win. Yeah. Um, right, so by, by the way, let's, let's look at this. Here's the Chiefs' schedule the rest of the season, right? Yeah. They've got the Rams with with, with, with Bryce Perkins, their third-string quarterback, likely. Like, sure. See you later. Good night. Yeah. That, that game's over. So they got the Rams. Then they go at the Bengals, all right? 
Then they're at Denver, at the Texans, home for the Seahawks, home for the Broncos, and they finish up at the Raiders. If you can find more than two losses in that schedule, God bless you. Like, God bless you. I see potentially one, which is the Bengals. Yep. They're beating the Rams. Let's just be honest about that. Again, this is all barring injuries to Kelsey and Mahomes and Chris Jones, because those are the three most valuable players for the Chiefs. It's Mahomes here, Kelsey here, and Jones here. By the way, Chris Jones should be in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. Because nobody else gets pressure. Like Carlos Dunlap gets a couple of pressures. George Karloftis has been fair as a rookie. They need him to be more. Nobody yeah. else is getting consistent heat for the Kansas City and, Chiefs. And from multiple places, right? Chris is doing it from Correct. both ends. He's doing it from a three-tech, five-tech, one-tech. He's right. as versatile as it gets. So let's just assume they're beating the Broncos, right? They've beaten them 13 straight times. We can and, assume that. You know, the, uh, the, the Broncos score about seven points a game. The Broncos are awful. <laughs> That's the way they are is. so bad. <laughs> so, right. And also, it's a road division game. So, you know, I'm going to give that to Mahomes because yeah. he's, wait for it, never lost one of those games. That's right. So, the only other potential obstacle for them is the Seahawks. But that's a game at Arrowhead. And are you, look me in the eyes and tell me you're taking Geno Smith on the road against Patrick Mahomes at home at Arrowhead. Don't see it. So, yeah. like, barring catastrophic injury, the Chiefs are finishing 14-3. and three. I think that's going to be good enough for them to wrap up home field in the AFC, which means, weirdly, as long as they take care of their business in the postseason, it would be a fifth straight year, a fifth straight year, that the road to the Super Bowl in the AFC will go through Kansas City. It has never happened four straight seasons before last season when the Chiefs did it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they are them, as they yeah. say. And he um, is him. He is He's him. one of one. That is He's the thing. a unicorn that is an alien and poops orange sherbet. Orange sherbet. There it is. Um, I want to I wanna move on to our, our second part of the problem here because something came through today, Trey, and as news goes in the NFL, it, it can come at any time. And uh, you said astutely on this show, twice in the last four weeks that the New York Jets would be better yeah. off with Joe Flacco as their starting quarterback. In, in fact, you said it wasn't a thought. It was an opinion. It was a fact that he was better for the Jets than Zach Wilson. Well, the Jets, as they often do, are only getting it half right, it would appear. They are sitting Zach Wilson. Yep. But it's not Joe Flacco that's coming in. It's Mike White. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that. And what is the problem? With that quarterback room? Well, first of all, the problem is that Zach is terrible. Right? Let's just be honest about that. Uh, his rookie year, he completed 55.6% of his passes. And I'm not a huge completion percentage guy because uh, those stats can be misleading. And But the way I say that is they should be way high because the way the game is played right now, you should be able to complete a bunch of your passes. So he was the lowest qualified quarterback in 2021 in terms of completion percentage of 55.6. At the time of his benching this week in 2022, his second year in the league, he is completing 55.6% of his passes, which is a fancy way of saying he hasn't gotten any better. Now, they had to bench Zach Wilson. 
they, they as soon as he was asked the question, which by the way, let's be clear, trap question, it's clickbait, uh, the way they asked it, but you need to understand how to answer it. Mm-hmm. When when he was asked, do you feel like you need to apologize to the defense? And his response was, no. Compare that to what Josh Allen said after the overtime loss to the Vikings, where Josh Allen balled his ass off. And he play, he threw for 330 yards, had touchdowns, but he had two red zone interceptions and the botch snap on the quarterback sneak uh, when he was backed up inside the one. He said, I have to be better. And they asked him again, and he said, I have to be better. And they asked him a third time, and he said, I have to play better. I have to be better. As the quarterback, it's very simple. Like, it's very simple. You get way too much credit when you win, but when you lose, you should take all the responsibility. Uh, All the best quarterbacks say, for example, Justin Fields with a torn AC joint in his non-throwing shoulder in that loss to Atlanta, apologized to his teammates. Apologized to his teammates, despite the fact that he ran and threw for a touchdown in a fifth straight game, which, by the way, ties the NFL record set by Kyler Murray, who's injured because Call of Duty is out. But that's a separate issue entirely. Um, you know, like he, he, he understood the assignment. He understood what his job was. Um, when you win as a quarterback, you know what you say? Offensive line played great. My receivers were amazing. Coaching staff drew up a great game plan for me. And when you lose as a quarterback, you know what you say? I didn't play well enough guys. Like, forget this, forget that. What about the holding penalty that wasn't called? What about the kick return? No, no. I need to play better. If I had played better and moved the ball down the field, we would have won the game. Yeah. What you don't say is when someone asks you the easiest trap question of all time, do you need to apologize to your defense? You don't say, nah, I'm good. And I'll give Zach credit for this. He came back this week and met with everybody in the locker room and said, guys, I apologize. And that's awesome. If you're a Jets fan, that's amazing because that means he understands It's one thing to make a mistake, but if you don't recognize the mistake and acknowledge the mistake and then be accountable for the mistake, that makes the mistake a hundred times worse. Yeah. So I will give Zach Wilson all the credit in the world for saying that. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, either Zach Wilson plays better or he doesn't. And if he doesn't play better, that means for the second time in three seasons, 18, 19, 20, four seasons, that the Jets have effed it up with a top five pick on a quarterback. Sam Darnold is now back in the starting lineup for the Carolina Panthers because they have nobody else to use. <laughs> uh, you know, as the third overall pick in 2018, and Zach Wilson as the second overall pick in 2021 is now sitting on the sidelines for someone named Mike White. Now, look, everybody tells me that the locker room loves Mike White. I talked to Damian Woody on my show on Spotify Live this past week with Mark Slareth. The locker room loves Mike White, and he's proven he can win. But they always love the guy until he plays. Mm -hmm. And then when you play, you need to come through. I would say 100 times out of 100, I would start Joe Flacco over Mike White. Joe Flacco in three games this year has two 300-yard passing games and five touchdown passes. Zach Wilson in seven games started this year has four touchdown passes and one 300-yard game. And, oh, by the way, the 300-yard game was against the Patriots at MetLife, where he threw two awful interceptions. So the 300-yard output is mitigated by ridiculous mistakes. I, I appreciate 
that the Jets are trying to do two things at one time, which is save their season and placate their quarterback because they're invested in him. It's a fine line to walk. It is. But at the end of the day, you got to win games. Yeah. And you can't look me in the eyes and tell me that Mike White is a better option for you than Joe Flacco. I don't believe you. I just don't believe you. Yeah. Um, and, and what's of note here is that uh, this is more than just benching Zach Wilson for uh, performance, right? Because he's a healthy yeah. scratch. They're not even activating him for the game. So this is Smart. also a punishment, right? Well, they, well, they, well, listen, Robert Sala had to do two things. He has a season to save and a locker room to keep. Yeah. Like, I think he could have gotten away with starting Zach Wilson again because I think that's what he wants to do. And I think that's what Joe Douglas wants to do as a general manager because you drafted sure. this guy. Yep. But as soon as Zach Wilson said, nah, I don't have anything to apologize for. Off the table. Robert, Robert Sala had no choice. Like, that was, that was not Robert Sala making the decision. That was Zach Wilson making the decision for him. Great because point. players know. Players know. They know whether or not you can play, and they know whether or not you have their respect in the locker room. Yeah. And as soon as Zach Wilson said that, the players were like, dude, we averaged 2.77 inches per play in the second <laughs> half. We didn't cross our own 35-yard line. We had more punts, 10, than completed passes in the game, 9. And you're going to sit there? And tell yeah. me you don't have to apologize for being red ass awful now. Nah. So Robert Sala had no choice because he has a, the jets can win multiple playoff games. In my opinion, with that defense, they're yeah. that good. They are they're that good. So you cannot just throw away that opportunity. But once Zach said what he said, and again, he's, He's changed his tune since then, which is great. I mean, we've seen things change. Ron Rivera, when he when he sort of had a really honest moment, said, what's the problem with the team? He said, quarterback, talking about Carson Wentz. And then he apologized because he knew what he did. Right. And by the way, Taylor Heineke. By the way, Taylor Heineke's stats and, and Zach Wilson's stats are very similar. What is the difference? One, the commanders are winning. And two, Taylor Heineke's an undrafted former backup in the XFL. Ah. Zach Wilson's the second overall pick in the draft. You can pretend like that doesn't change the expectations. Oh, it does. But you're, but you're just pretending. Yeah. So, um, the the point I'm making in a very verbose way, and I apologize. Never. Is that when it, when push comes to shove, those who are given the most are expected the most of, and and that's the thing that Zach needs to understand, and that's the thing that I hope he understands, but. There was no other option for Robert Sala than to bench Zach Wilson. And you could, and again, I would say it's Joe Flacco is the better option. Hey, but if Mike White balls out, good for him. But what if Mike White doesn't ball out? Then what happens? Then it becomes a nightmare. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It becomes a nightmare for the Jets. Then do you say, well, we're going with Joe Flacco. Oh, we're going with Mike uh, White one more time. By the way, this is a very beatable Chicago team. Yeah. You know, we don't know what's going to play with Justin Fields with the with the AC joint issue in, in his left non-throwing shoulder. And people say, oh, it's his non-throwing shoulder. Still hurts like hell freaking hurts. when someone hits it, right? <laughs> yeah. Still hurts like a mother effer. Uh -huh. And, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield played all of last season with a torn labrum in his left throwing shoulder 
or his left shoulder, not his throwing shoulder. Yeah. And that's, that's a big part of why he sucked. Let's be, be honest about it. So uh, if you don't beat the bears, like for a jets defense that was looking at Justin Fields, who has run for 640 yards in his last six games and is tied an NFL record with uh, uh, call of duty, Kyler Murray throwing and running for a touchdown in five straight games. Like, Trevor Simeon has never rushed for 25 yards in a game or more than 25 yards in a game. There is a massive difference there. So if you don't find a way to beat this Bears team, then we got real issues in New York. Yeah, we really do. And uh, count me as today years old when I learned that Trevor Simeon was still in the NFL. So there's that. (laughs) Um, It's like the receivers for the Colts. Like (laughs) Sam Kinison just caught five passes from Patrick Mahomes. There you go. Still catching passes. Um, All right. Let's uh, let's move on to our our final segment here. And and, in our Thanksgiving uh, specials here, we have the underdog fantasy. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Brett Maher just hit a 60 yard field goal and then did it again. Just so you know. Oh, there you go. I'm right, watching for the, I'm watching last week's recaps uh, as I do the show because I love effing football. Yes, you do. Um, hey, this is our uh, underdog fantasy super smash QB matchup of the week. We have two of them this week. Let's go with the first one. We're going to lead it off with uh, Josh Allen and Jared Goff. This is a game, Trey, that uh, is, is there's a big spread. Wait, hold on, hold on. Uh, the Cowboys just sacked Kirk Cousins again. Sorry, go ahead. The, there's, a, there's a big spread. And uh, with the way the Lions have been playing, they can either score 40 points or they can score four points. Uh, and Buffalo needs to get back on the winning track here with the way the Chiefs and the Bengals are, are coming on. What do you think about this game? Well, a couple of things. First of all, it's back to the future for the Bills. They're playing in Detroit for the second time in five days. Um, but this time they're doing the normal thing. When they go to Detroit, they're playing Detroit in the Thanksgiving Day game. The Lions are as good as they've been in years right now. They've won three straight games. Uh, Jamal Williams has more touchdowns than anybody in the NFL with 12. Uh, the offense is humming and the defense is playing well. Like you are, if you're the Buffalo Bills, your concern is, damn, why do the Lions have to be good right now? But the other part of this is that the Bills are a six-point favorite. And since the beginning of last year, Buffalo has lost a NFL worst six times when they've been a six-point favorite or more, including two in the last month. Two in the last month. However, after a two-game losing streak, I think that the Bills have found their footing. There's a part of me that wants to say, yeah, go Detroit, win your fourth straight games, make Man Campbell great again. But I just feel like Buffalo has has too many weapons for them. Um, It's going to be a close – I think it's going to be a much closer game than people think. Uh, I believe Detroit – can sort of grind it out a little bit with that running game uh, and make it closer. I just have to believe if Buffalo is anywhere near the team that we thought they were after the first two weeks of the season where they tap danced 
uh, over everybody uh, that I I have to believe that they're going to be okay. Yeah. So for what for what it's worth, my behavior bets model has the uh, Bills winning, but only by a point. And there's a yeah. little bit of more to I think it's going to be much closer than people yeah. think. Your behavior is really solid. Thank you. I've I, I like when you tell me I have good behavior. Um, and if you're playing if you're playing an underdog here and you're playing their pick'em matchup, uh, which is uh, an incredible amount of fun, um, they have Josh Allen higher or lower, and you pick this as a as a player higher or lower uh, on 34 and a half passing attempts. If you go higher on that track, if he's throwing 35 or more passes in this game, then that means the Lions have to be keeping it close, right? Because they need Josh on, Josh Allen's arm to get them over the hump. Um, maybe. But at the end of the day, the Bills' rushing attack is terrible. Mm, Josh okay. Allen is their leading rusher still, I believe. Nah. So, I, I like I, I don't have a lot of faith. Like their running attack looked a little better against the Browns because the Browns' rush defense is way more carry them. Terrible. <laughs> um, but you know uh, the Bills. The Bills' fatal flaw, if we want to be honest about it, the Bills' fatal flaw is they don't have uh, a lot of options on offense. Either Josh Allen throws it or Josh Allen runs it. Uh, and outside of the game against the, the Browns uh, on this past Sunday, there's not a lot of options for them to just be like, wow, we're really good yeah. uh, in, in both phases of the game. Like, for example, Pacheco had 100-plus yards uh, for the for the Chiefs on the on the ground, and they're going to need him more with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out on injured reserve for at least the last next four games, which, by the way, I think is not a terrible thing for Kansas City. Because McKinnon and Pacheco, I think, are really, really uh, interesting. McKinnon was sort of the secret sauce of their offense down the stretch of last year. And Pacheco is an angry runner out of Rutgers. Really and if is. you were running away from Rutgers, you'd probably be angry too. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think that that game on Sunday – or excuse me, on Thursday in Detroit is going to be closer because of the way the Lions are playing. And the Bills only have one way to win, which is Josh Allen, Josh Allen – and Josh Allen. That's it. Yeah, and, and by the way, uh, also in the Pick'em game, you could pick Jamal Williams. You said he's, he's been on a touchdown scoring uh, uh, streak here, uh, but an interesting value, higher or lower 0.5 rushing touchdowns uh, in this Thanksgiving matchup. So we'll see if he can keep that streak alive. But Trey, guess what? There's more. One more Please, Thanksgiving on, me. matchup. Yeah. Play Yeah, so we talked a lot about this game already, um, but this is specifically about the quarterbacks, Trey, the, the matchup between Daniel Jones and Dak Prescott. We mentioned the, the weapons that Dak Prescott has. Trey, is this the game where Daniel Jones really has an opportunity to prove himself as the guy for this Giants franchise? No. No? No, because of the situation he finds himself in. And it's not a knock on Daniel Jones. But he's missing four offensive linemen, okay? We've seen Armstrong, Fowler, Parsons, uh, uh, Tank Lawrence just absolutely eat people on the offensive line. And you don't have Evan Neal. You don't have four of your offensive linemen. 
if Daniel Jones gets out of this game uninjured, it's a miracle. And, uh, you know, the Cowboys have had their way with the Giants. They've won 10 of the last 11 games straight up, 9-2 and two against the spread, including they've already won on the road uh, in that uh, Monday night game. Week three, was it? Or week four? I can't remember when they won 23-16. to 16. Um, The Giants are in real trouble. And, and I want to be clear. Brian Dayball has done a great job, but it's been a lot of smoke and mirrors. It's been Saquon Barkley and... <laughs> you know, and now their one playmaking wide receiver, Wondell Robinson, who can do a lot of things, is not there. Uh, the Cowboys are good against the run. So the one thing the Giants do really well is run the ball, and the Cowboys are okay with shutting down the run. Um, I think it's just a bad matchup all the way around. And, yes, the, the Cowboys have lost three straight Thanksgiving Day games. I accept that. I understand that. Uh, and they've only covered once in the last 11 Thanksgiving Day games. This is just a bad matchup. Like, sometimes it's just a bad matchup. Yeah. Yep. And, and this is a bad matchup this Thursday for the Giants against the Cowboys. Well, as I mentioned, if you're playing the higher or lower pick'em game for for underdog, uh, and you have Daniel Jones in your lineup, they don't think it's a great matchup for him either. Trey, they have the higher or lower on his passing yards set at under 200, uh, 195.5. Yeah. Um, but what's really interesting for for you underdog players out there, and if you're not, uh, you should be, and, and use promo code PFM when you sign up, get a little bonus there. If you put Dak Prescott in your higher or lower pick'em lineup this week, you're going to get a payout booster. Now, just so you guys know, when you play higher or lower on Pick'em, you can win, depending on how many players you put in your lineup, you can win up to 20 times the your the, the money that you put in there. So, right, if you, if you play for $5, you can win 20x that, depending on how many players you put in your lineup. If Dak Prescott, higher or lower, 257.5 passing yards is in your underdog lineup for Thanksgiving tomorrow, your payout multiple can get boosted to 100x, 100x. Uh, so wait, wait, how much? That's going to be a hundred tray. There so, you go. 100, 100 X. Um, so make sure you do that. Cause I'm going to, uh, especially with the games that I've been, uh, been, we've been talking about in this show. And if you missed any part of the show, make sure you catch it on YouTube. Um, Trey again, man, thankful that we get to do the show together. I really appreciate the, the time we get to do it and thankful for all the people who watch. There's, there's tens of thousands, uh, across all the different platforms that tune in with us each and every single Wednesday night at e at eight Eastern. Hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving and try, of course, to you, Janice, the rest of your family. Hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving as well. Brett, I've loved the post the last couple of weeks about uh, uh, your family and your anniversary and your wife's birthday. Like we love football, right? It's wonderful. Yeah. Yep. But at the end of the day, it's that little nucleus that you do everything for. Um, uh, and that's what makes it all worthwhile. And trust me, we're on opposite ends of the life spectrum. Like your kids are how old? Uh, six and, and one and a half. Yeah, mine are 28 and 30. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I still get the same joy uh, of seeing them do well at plus 25 and into their early 30s that you do at six and one and a half. It's just a different degree. So, uh, you know, my goal going forward this year and every year for as long as I'm drawing breath is to be grateful and humble, humble. And I'm very grateful and I'm very humble. And I appreciate the time I get to spend with you uh, on, on this show every week. So thank you for making it fun. 
and let's keep going. Yes, sir. Uh, all right, everybody. Have a great night. We'll see you next week. Same time, same day. See ya. Sports ball. See ya.